Welcome to The Alexander Standard. Today's episode, Alexander the Great, Part 2. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dustin. And I'm Meredith. And this is the Alexander Standard, and in every episode, we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great, from Perdiccas to Cleopatra VII. Last episode, we covered the early life and career of Alexander the Great, how he rose to power, and the beginning of his invasion of the Persian Empire. We last left off with Alex hanging out in Egypt, fresh from being told that he's the son of Zeus Ammon, you know, just chilling, building cities, being the son of a god. Let's get him a little closer to death, Meredith. 331, Alexander is 25 years old now. He's going to proceed finally deeper into the Persian Empire. He's going into Assyria and Babylon. By September 30th, Darius pulls out all the stops for the final battle, the Battle of Galgamela. He has elephants. He has scythe chariots. Why? What's up? You thinking of Eddie Izzard, aren't you? Well, yeah. Well, I was about to be like, aren't we past this point yet? I'm like, oh no, this is pre-Roman, so like we're not... We haven't had Hannibal, and we haven't had the elephants. Elephants are still new to everybody. So this is still a new thing that people are like, oh my gosh. What's that big thing over there? It's a giant upside-down squirrel, sir. Jeez, that scares me. (laughs) Now, you know what I mean with the scythe chariots, right? Yeah, they have the spikes on the wheels. Yeah, it's like for those that can't see, I'm just pointing to the side. And that's supposed to be a scythe. (laughs) Pointing at you got it. I know, it's true. I did. It was a good job. Battle breakdown. Again, a tough start for the Macedonians. The Persian heavy cavalry is pushing hard. They've got elephants. Yeah, but the scythe chariots didn't work at all because the Macedonians did the smart thing and just got out stepped of the way. Stepped to the side. Yes, they <laughs> stepped to the side, and then the scythe chariots are kind of like, they're like, I think we were supposed to do something. Turn around. I can't. All right. Meanwhile, Alex does the same thing. He did the last battle. He just charges straight into the middle of the cavalry shun right for Darius. Looking back over at his mother-in-law, it's like, who's your favorite son now? <laughs> like, <laughs> you watching this? Check me out. And uh, you want to know what Darius did? Run. And he ran away again. I'm just saying there is something to be said for being alive. Now he's consistent in what he does. And when this happened, as before, most of the Persian army retreated. Most of the Persian army, which is important you got here. that one elephant that just won't turn. <laughs> they call him Lucky. Um, Damn it, Lucky. <laughs> Alexander pursued again, yeah. but had to stop again. But mm. now the story was a little different. See, the Persians, most of the Persian army had retreated by now, but the Persian left flank was actually winning the battle, and they had pinned the Macedonians down. And Alexander was chasing after Darius, but pretty soon one of his generals sent a message asking for his help. He said, if you don't come help us, we're going to lose this entire battle. <laughs> and so Alex is just kind of sitting there. like, And I think the Oliver Stone movie shows this, and I would have to begrudgingly say they do a pretty good job because, like, you know, it's, you can just see Colin Farrell and his eyebrows just kind of sitting there just like, oh, I want to go chase Darius, but I'm going to lose this whole battle. But I could win the war. I could lose my army. And he finally is like, fine. And he turns around and he goes and helps his general out and saves the day. But he's apparently really mad about it. Now, I point this out because that means that Alexander almost lost. Yeah. And thankfully, just because cooler heads prevailed and people were probably encouraging him, he did turn around. But Darius is defeated again. But he's running away again, and he's going to raise another army, and he's going to get you, Alexander. Yeah, I don't really think it's so much a bad thing that Darius keeps running away, because so long as he escapes and is alive, there's still an opposition to Alexander in a rallying point. Whereas if you stood your ground and you died, what's that going to do? Sure. Yeah. I think I'm inclined to agree with you because I mean, and also that does seem to be what Darius is doing. He doesn't run away and just hide. He's seemed intent on rallying yet another army, which is going deeper into the empire. While he's running away, Alexander goes and mops up a little bit. He goes into Babylon and he actually sends messengers ahead, announcing himself as the king of the world and promising not to plunder the city. And they welcomed him in. By October, Susa was captured, which was one of the other Persian capital cities. By the year 330, Alex is 26 years old. Persepolis 
which is what the Greeks called the city of Persa, the homeland for the Persians. In May of 330, he burned Persepolis to the ground. But apparently he felt bad about it after he did it. <laughs> and th- because this complicated his desire to be the new king of Persia, here I've just burned down their hometown. Yeah, I was about to say, their capital? They're not going to... Question gonna- mark? I think some of the Persians will be mad at me about this. Where am I supposed to hang out? I think I'm the villain in my own story. I'm the... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so he tries to make himself feel better by going and chasing after Darius again. But unfortunately, Darius has a problem. So Darius goes um, deeper into the empire to raise another army. One of his generals, a guy named Bessus, betrays him, uh, throws him in chains and captures him. Eventually gives him a little stabby stabby. I was about to say stabby stab. And proclaims himself the new Persian king. And he takes on the royal name Artaxerxes V. Oh, so he didn't even do it to, like, get in with Alexander. He's like, oh, look at this unstoppable force. I'll try and take it on. Which really always puzzled me because I'm yeah. like, you're the rebel. Yeah. You're not even going to command the loyalty of everybody. Yeah. And you think you'll be the one to beat Alex? Yeah, because there's something to be said that the Persians must have really admired Darius because yeah. he keeps running, but they keep rallying to him. Yeah. So now um, he's going to go chase down Bessus because Alexander hears about this and he's not very happy about it. Eventually, one of Alexander's generals finds Darius on the road. On a road. Dead. Dead. Okay. Um, Actually, no. No, no. He's not dead. No, he's not. All right. So this is from uh, Plutarch's Life of Alexander. But at last they found him lying in a wagon, his body full of javelins at the point of death. Nevertheless, he asked for something to drink, to drink, <laughs> and when he had drunk some cold water, which Polystratus gave him, it's the name of the general who found him, he said to him, this is literally me reading it, my man, this is the worst of my bad luck. Oh my God. <laughs> that I receive good from your hands, and I'm not able to return it. But Alexander will pay you back for your kindness, and the gods will reward Alexander for his kindness to my mother wife, and children. To him, through you, I give this right hand. Which was apparently his way of saying, like, I'm going to hand the kingdom over to Alex. Well, yeah, you're filled with javelin holes. Like, what? <laughs> He's like, give me a pen. He's like, I'm going to let you have this. You're about to die. <laughs> it's like, I've got a lot of spears I could throw at you if I had the strength. Give me some more of that water. Pluck this out. I'm a human porcupine. With these words, he took the hand of Polystratus and then died. When Alexander came up, he was manifestly distressed by what had happened, and unfastening his own cloak, threw it upon the ground and covered it. And here's an example of how I know I'm very immature, because when I see this image in my mind, Darius is a pincushion. There's a bunch of spears stuck in him like needles. And Alexander's like, I'm going to just drape my cloak over him. All it did was just make a tent over Darius's head because there's just nothing but javelins holding up the cloak. You didn't cover anything up. He's like, it's very respectful. If anything, if you've ever tried to, like, make a pillow for it, all that happened was that the cloak probably just crumpled up in between one of the spears. And he got his cloak dirty. These are the things that matter, I Meredith. Say, I think you think too long. You can't about. wash these cloaks. You get a new one. So Alex did give Darius a royal burial. Now, do you think Alex feels bad for him? I think he would say he does. He definitely would say that he did. He yeah. says a lot of things. But Alex is really mad because Bessus, mm, he took the he chance. He wanted to kill him. Yeah, Alex wanted to have the, the credit of either being the one to kill him or to spare him. So uh, it's probably not true that Darius made Alex his heir, but Alex would definitely tell everybody just like it's totally true that alex is the son of zeus which yeah. is why he told everybody um what we do know is now that darius is dead alex is pissed and he's chasing after bessus in the process alex did a loop-de-loop of all of asia he just starts chasing bessus down he goes through a bunch of different lands medea parthia aria dragliana aracosia bactria scythia by august supposedly alex and this is let me give you the year. By August of 330, he's 26 now. A story from Plutarch. He supposedly received a delegation from the Amazonian queen 
Thalestris. And here's the synopsis of the, of the uh, interaction. Alex, what you want? Thalestris, a baby. Alex. <laughs> Alex says, cool. Okay. 13 days later, Thalestris goes home. Apparently, preggers. And that's it. Probably not true. We actually have a sign of skepticism here because the guy that told the story is on a Secretus. And so when he tells this story, he actually tells one of Alexander's former generals, who was a king later on. Lysimachus, the guy... The general said, nah. Right. And he actually did because from what the source says, Lysimachus replied, I wonder where I was at at the time. I feel like I'd remember that. <laughs> be a big day. In the process, Alex founded a bunch of new cities. Yep. All of them called Alexandria. Uh, Alex, 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 and Alex. Yep. By 329, age 27, he finally catches Bessos. Woo! Someone betrayed him. Someone said, this is stupid. We don't even like this guy. And they turned him over to Alexander. This is in the spring. There are two different accounts of how Bessos was executed. According to Arian, who is our more reliable source, Alex made someone bring Bessus to him, bound, naked, with a wooden collar. I don't know why they emphasize wooden collar. Alexander, upon seeing Bessus, asked him why he had seized Darius, who had been his king, his relative, and his benefactor, and then led him about in chains and murdered him. And Bessus says that it wasn't just him, it was all the other satraps, which are like Persian governors. He's like, that's what they, that they wanted to do it to make peace with Alex. And um, then I ran with him. Yeah. So he, then he brought he, he summoned a conference of those with him who had brought out Bessus and accused him of treachery and commanded that his nose and the tips of his ears should be cut off and then put to death in a f- gathering full of Persians. Mm. Plutarch, however, gives a much darker account. And when at a later time he found Bessus, he had him rent asunder. Two straight trees were bent down together, and a part of his body fastened to each. Then, when each was released and sprang vigorously back, the part of the body that was attached to it followed after. He slingshot him and ripped no, him in No, I know. I can yeah, visualize yeah. it. I just, I just can't really believe that that could happen. I don't want any... Like, yeah. I feel like if you could find a tree that you could bend, it probably wouldn't snap back so strong. So, while he's there, Alex conquers Bactriots in modern-day Afghanistan. And it's here in March of 327 that he marries Roxana. Roxanne. You don't have to marry a king. And apparently this was a a marriage of love. Okay. Now, the next year, 328, Alex is 28 years old. Yes. Do it. Getting so close. While he's in the east, Alexander takes a moment, catches his breath, and reorganizes his commands and his appointments and his governors in the city of Marakanda in modern-day Uzbekistan. Lots of details coming at you. Klytos, one of the commanders of the cavalry, and the guy who saved Alexander's life in his first battle against the Persians, was given command of the satrapy of Bactria. Pretty big deal. Soon after, Alexander held a banquet for all of his officers and announced more plans. On top of the first assignment, Klytos was also commanded to take an army north and fight some of the nomads on the northern steppes. Clytos did not like this assignment. He thought he was being pushed aside. He wanted to be with Alexander, and he thought the assignment was stupid, second-rate, in the middle of nowhere. So, everyone's drunk, and Clytos decides to speak his mind. Remember, as we said in the, in the episode on Philip, Macedonian kings were the first, were like, had a first among yeah, equals. Yeah, first among equals. So he's not doing anything exactly. outside of the norm. Right. It's he, Clytos would very understandably think it was his right to voice a grievance. Yeah, and to mouth off to Alex, which is what he did. To make it worse, Alex starts boasting of his accomplishments and he had surpassed Philip, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Clytos' response, he's like, I just can't take it anymore, this guy. And he says, Alex, he reminds Alex that he had saved his life at the Battle of Granicus. He said that Alex was not the legitimate king of Macedon and that his achievements were all due to Philip. Alex is freaking out. I was like, where's your HR rep? <laughs> where's your HR rep now? Alexander was furious. He called for his guards, but the guards didn't want any part of this. I, and they like, just nope. And so nope. Alex is furious. His guards won't do anything, and he does the only thing he can, do, he can think of. He throws an apple at his head. 
An apple? An apple. Okay. <laughs> Some of these details, man. I was like, I'm sure I misheard you when you said axe. Um, yeah, right? No, so it was like, he calls his guards. His guards were like, nope, we're not touching this. And he's like, well, fine. I'm going to throw an apple at him. Alex called for a dagger or a spear. Okay, that makes more sense. We started with an apple. Yeah, and you were escalating. Uh, no one brought him the spear. Someone gave him a dagger, but the guards immediately came and took the dagger away. They restrained Alex. They started rushing Clytus out the room. They're like, you gotta get out, got dude. Gotta go. Y'all need to sober up. And apparently Clytus did go away for a while. And, but he came back, and he starts oh, like talking more night. trash. So like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, a few minutes later, he came back. He's like, and, and another thing! <laughs> and now Alex was able to grab a spear. And he threw it, and it went right through Clytus's chest and killed him. Mm. It was at that moment that Alex knew he'd messed up. I was just like, <laughs> look, here comes a consequence. Consequence, consequence. consequence. <laughs> so Alex was immediately... Uh, just distraught, and he was immediately grieving for Clytus's death. He asked people to kill him. He was just like, put me out of my misery. He went and sulks in his tent for days. And actually, some of the sources say that this was when he started thinking that he had done some horrible things in his life, like destroying Thebes, and this was the god's way of punishing him. That's fair. And they finally managed to coax him out by basically convincing him that he had done nothing wrong. One of his generals or his advisors goes to him and says, Don't you know that Zeus has justice and law sat right beside him in order that everything that is done by the master of the world, which is you, Alex, is lawful and just? And so I'm just going to see Alex in his temple like, You mean I didn't do anything wrong? wrong? Yeah. Dad would have been proud. Uh, okay. Now, it's also the case that Clytus was actually part of the old guard of Philip's generation, and Alex had actually been trying to sideline those people systematically. And it may also be indicative of growing tension and frustration among Alexander's soldiery, because Alex was starting to act weird. He was taking on Persian customs. He was dressing in Persian clothes. He was surrounding himself with eunuchs at court. He was promoting Persian nobles to command positions. He was including the Persians in his army and trained them to fight like Macedonians. All of that was permissible. All of that they could look the other way on. But then he started doing this thing called the proskinesis, which was a gesture of respect but it was kind of a hierarchical gesture. Depending on your relationship with the king, it, would, it could range from you just kind of kissing the king's hand, different degrees of bowing down, but at the very lowest, you had to just prostrate your, yourself on the ground, like lay face down on the ground. Yeah. And the Macedonians, again, they don't look at their king that way. They're like, we're not worshiping you. Yeah. You're our general. You're our king. You're our leader. But I'm not kissing the, your hand, and I'm not going to lay on the ground at your feet. Yeah. And Alexander apparently did start kind of scaling back at this stuff, but he's making his men very frustrated. So for the next two years, 327 to 326, this Alex is going to be 29, 30, he goes on his campaign into India. Now we're getting weird. And now his <laughs> even his soldiers are like, wait, what? You're like, we've walked so far. We've done everything we came to do. Yeah. We have defeated the Persians. We've conquered the Persian Empire. What's in India and why are we in it? Those elephants are huge. <laughs> and it's hot. It's so hot. Because I have to imagine that like the like the climate was shifting at that point. All right. <laughs> no, so, I just love the like, what is India? What is in India and why are we in it? So the Persians did have like one like satrap that would be in modern day India. Yeah. Uh, so they had like a toehold. And so Alex starts by inviting chieftains and kings and the former satrapy to come submit to his new authority. Some of these kings agreed, some of them resisted, and eventually Alex has to go on campaign against one of these rebellious kings that he needs to keep under his authority. This is going to lead to the Battle of the Hydaspes. In May 326, a fierce battle. The Macedonians outnumbered five to one. The king Porus who is, who is uh, opposing him, brought over 100 war elephants. The Macedonians struggle against these elephants, but eventually do manage to rout the entire Indian army. 
Light casualties to the Macedonians, around 300 men, thousands for the Indians. Alex's strategy was outmaneuvering Porus, just kind of a fancy footwork. Unfortunately, a lot of his men were trampled underneath the elephants. <laughs> and they didn't like that. Alexander admired Porus after he defeats him, and he sends one of his other Indian kings over there to convince Porus to surrender. He's like, I like that guy. Go tell him to surrender. The guy goes over there, and Porus just chunks a spear at him. Oh, no. And he's like, I'm, yeah. And Alex tries that a few times, and finally, Porus maybe runs out of spears. Maybe. And he finally sounds like, and he's like, what's up? And Alex is like, offers to surrender. And he's like, and just, what do you want? And like, what can I offer you to kind of make you surrender? And Porus said, treat me as a king would treat another king. I love these zippy one-liners. So he kills him. Actually, no, he did not kill him. He promoted him. Aw. Yeah, so he spared Porus and left him in power. All Alex wanted was to be the new Persian king. All right, so while he's there, he's going to found a couple new cities. He's going to found a couple new cities. Cool. Uh, both of Alexandria. One's called Alexandria Nikaya, which is like Victoria. Mm-hmm. And another one is a sad name. Alexandria. It's after his horse, isn't it? Buca- the horse is dead. Bucephalos. No. His horse died sometime after the battle. And uh, fatal wounds, maybe. Nope. Um, he just died of old age. Yeah, either peacefully the, like, licking sugar cubes. Ah, uh, I understand. Yes, cradled by Alexander as they watched the sunset. Yes, as they just sat there and watched their favorite TV show, sipping Kool Aid. And Bucephalus said, "I'm, I'm sleepy, father. I'm tired, daddy." And Alex said, "Go to bed, my son." It's okay, Oxhead. <laughs> Oxhead. So now Alex's soldiers are said, "All right, this is stupid. It's hot." Those elephants are that huge. That was the only horse. No one has turn around. still. No one has still told us what an India is, and we're still here. We want to go back home. Yeah. Now it's apparent that this probably wasn't an actual rebellion because his men loved him too much. Yeah, but that's it was actually just, the it point. It was a very strong suggestion. Yeah, it's actually the point. It was like Alex. Alex's soldiers had never pushed back at yeah. his orders. So the mere fact that they were whispering discontent. Yeah. Is it was an indication that concern. like. So he regret, he he um, reluctantly decides to turn back, but he it's almost like he's kind of a throwing a tantrum now. He's like, "Fine, we'll go back, but I'm conquering cities on the way. Yeah, and you can't stop me. We're gonna make stops. It's gonna, we're gonna do stuff. So as he's going down the Indus River, he's conquering kingdoms and cities along the way, and this is where Alex gets one of his worst injuries. They're conquering the Malian people, and Alex's men would not climb up the siege ladders because they were freaking out. And Alex says, that's fine. And he runs up and jumps into the city by himself. And no, Alex's soldiers are like... eye roll there. Yeah. And so now Alex's soldiers are like, I guess we have to do it now. God dang it. And so they do, and they run to Alexander's side and fight alongside of him. But in the meantime, before they got there, Alex paid for his stupidity when a four-foot-long arrow went straight through his chest and up through his neck. Why? Sorry, just the four foot. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that make it worse? Oh my God. Yeah. Now, ah. this actually worked out in his favor, and I'll tell you no. why. The Macedonians thought Alex had died, and understandably, there's a four foot arrow that's in his chest. And out his neck. Yes. Doesn't that make it worse somehow? The I out of his neck thing. Up and yeah. Out Doesn't that just makes mm. it worse in my mind? Yeah, I've got a friend that's a... Nurse practitioner, I'm going to ask for the logistics on that. Just ask her how many patients they get with like a, a four foot long it's arrow like, in the neck. He's on in an Georgia. average given day. He's in Georgia. He's in Georgia. That's not out of the realm of possibility for him. No. Now, because the Macedonians understandably thought Alex was dead, they just rage massacred the inhabitants of the city. Sucks for the inhabitants of the city, but it does win the day for the Macedonians. But unfortunately for you and your yawning, somehow... Alex wakes up. Alex wakes up. He's not 30 yet. He's not 30 yet. Uh, he probably is 30 by now, actually. So let's take a moment to hear a message from Bactrian Wood and Lumber. Okay. The world's changing every day. And that's why it's even more important to find a lumber company you can trust. Hi, I'm Roger Dinwiddie. And I want to talk to you about Bactrian Wood and Lumber. You know, they say that change is the only constant. Well, here at Bactrian Wood and Lumber, we respectfully disagree. Our wood and lumber are farm-raised, grass-fed, cage-free, 
sugar-free, and always farm to table. In fact, all of our best tables are made with reliable Bactrian wood. <sighs> Smells like pine, doesn't it? Nope, that's Bactrian rosewood, one of my personal favorites. Bactrian trees have been grown here since before it was called Bactria, and that's why it's a family tradition. Bactrian trees are hard as a rock, malleable as clay, making them perfect for any project you might have. Say, for instance, that you're a world conqueror from Macedon with a huge army that needs spears and arrows. Bactrian Woods got you covered. Maybe you have a hobby of building cities aimed after yourself. I'd make sure to build my house with Bactrian Wood. But Bactrian Wood and Lumber is also perfect for your more unorthodox tasks. Let's say you've tracked down an assassin, someone who killed a king, maybe even the king you were trying to defeat, and you decide that it's time for an execution. Just find two Bactrian trees, bend them down and tie that little punk in between, then let her rip. Problem solved. So no matter how much the world changes, even when Bactria stops being Bactria and becomes Afghanistan, Tajikistan, or even Uzbekistan, There'll always be Bactrian wood and lumber. Okay, and we're back. It's kind of a morbid commercial, but look. We need money. They pay us. Here it is. Here's the your favorite part of the story, Meredith. He dies. We're going to take this Alexander kid all the way to Babylon. He's back in town. Yeah. And this is from the years 324 to 323. Alex is 32 years young. He marches back to Susa, but he takes the long route through the Gedrosian Desert. I'm sure that his men loved him even more for that. <laughs> And along the way, he starts getting a little paranoid, and he's ordering the execution of several of his governors and generals that he had left behind. Some of, of course, all of them he accused of abusing their power, but it's also apparently he's... You weren't he was, there. How do you see that? Yeah, it's also apparently he's getting a little paranoid these yeah. days. Because his men are grumbling so much, he decides to send back the veterans and the, and the men that are over age and the men that are disabled back to Macedon. Well, they, that's nice. Yeah, but the, somehow the Macedonians misunderstood this and they thought that this was an insult and they mutinied. It's like, Tim, you have one leg. I'm going to let you go home and rest. It's like, how dare you? Sir, I can I, I can hop, skip, and jump I with the best of them. I can hop, skip the way past that elephant. <laughs> You'll never see me coming, the hopping Macedonian. They thought they were being replaced by Persians and criticized Alex for adopting Persian customs. Mm. He tried to calm them down, but they wouldn't listen, and so he kind of said, fine, and he started actually giving Persians command positions and titles, and that made his army immediately cave and ask for forgiveness? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. So, um, now... Then he ordered a huge banquet with, for several thousand men. Kind of like... Oh, a, and they marry all the ladies. Yep. And it's kind of like a golden corral, but for the whole city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chocolate fountain. That's right. He orders his soldiers and commanders to marry Persian women. Alexander himself had already married two Persian princesses. This did not go over well with the Macedonians, and indeed it seems that most of these marriages didn't even last a year. It's like, sir, I already have a wife. Shut up. We joke about this, but of course, we can only imagine that... This was quite horrible for the women. Yeah, who were not probably not given a choice in this. So, afterwards, Alex goes to the, another big Persian city, Ekpatana, to collect its treasury. He's getting some money. He takes Hephaestion, his boyfriend, with him, who, who dies either from illness or from poison. No, I said that in a weird way. Yeah, that, like, that's, the only, he dies. that's the only reason I'm laughing. I'm like, it's a way to say So he it. takes him to the city? And he dies. He dies. Alex is devastated. Yeah. He goes back to Babylon and he starts planning for new campaigns. He's going to conquer the entire Arabian Peninsula. But he can't because he dies. I was about to say, because yeah. he's dead. He gets uh, hit with death. So at around June of 323, here's the story of Alexander's death. Different stories and theories. Plutarch says that Alex had been drinking all night and all day with one of his buddies and then developed a fever. Mm. He was eventually unable to speak probably in a coma. He just laid there with a week for a week without decomposition. 
reporting to the sources. Oh, yeah. I'd heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably because he was still alive, but yeah. they thought he was dead. Like he's yeah, like he's dead and he's glowing like he's alive. Oh, it's like Romeo and Juliet. Diodorus says that Alex is probably poisoned. He had drank a large bowl of unmixed wine and died 11 days later. Oh, so not even like maliciously poisoned, just like food poisoning. Either one. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. either like poisoned or just he, he poisoned off, himself. Off food, yeah. yeah. Pluchart rejects the poison theory, however. Multiple people have been suggested as possible culprits. You know, we're going to meet couple of these guys down the road one on antipater the dude he'd left behind in macedon yeah apparently had been recently fired from his position because he did not get along with alexander's mom and apparently alexander got tired of his mom and antipater all both writing letters to alex about how they hated each other <laughs> there's even a suggestion that aristotle his tutor was in on it and that's all they say <laughs> yeah there was like there was a suggestion of aristotle was in on it how Let's move on. Let's move um, on to the next candidate. Uh, modern historians looking at that have suggested that the long period of time until death could be attributed to poisoning by white hellbor. So if someone We're was getting po- a little too specific, if someone was trying to poison him, that would have been an herb native to the region that they could have used. Yeah. Alter- alternate theories. Now I'm going to th- start throwing some medical terms at you. Accidental poisoning by mixing uh, wine with water containing um, something called calichimicin. It's bacteria. Yeah. Malaria. Mm. Typhoid fever. Mm-hmm. Complicated by bowel perforation and ascending mm. paralysis. God. Pyogenic, that is infectious. Spondylitis. Meningitis. Acute pancreatitis. West Nile. So what I'm just hearing is like just being a person alive in a time where there's no modern medicine. <laughs> this is how I heard your sentence, Starling. So what you're telling me is the person's alive and <laughs> yeah. then he's not alive. No, it's just kind of like he might have gotten bitten by a bug. He might have done that. He might have cut his finger and it got infected. We're just basically talking about someone died because yeah. they don't live in a time with modern medicine. Yeah. There's also the theory of Guillain-Barr syndrome. I don't really know why that's important. I just like saying it out loud. Know. It's kind of like... Uh, I, I saw it on House. When... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> That's where my, my, my medical training comes from. Yeah. Uh, there's also the theory that it was war wounds compounded by years of heavy drinking. Yeah. And also depression from Hephaestion's death. And the horse. They don't mention that. Oh. Legacy. Succession or lack thereof, Alex had no obvious or legitimate heir. Roxanne was pregnant. And Alex did have an illegitimate son that he had fathered. Around 327. I know that sounds so creepy. Um, his name was Heracles. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Hercules. So, yeah. That kid's going to die. We no. have different accounts by different historians of Alex's actual death, his dying moment. According to Diodorus, Alex's generals asked him to choose an heir, and Alex replied in one of two ways. Some people heard him say, Toi kratistoi, to the strongest. Others heard him say, Toi, katra, uh, toi krateroi to Crateros. Crateros was a general who was actually on the way back with Ma- to Macedon with those veterans that Alex was sending home, and he had recently been appointed the commander of Macedon. Hmm. So... I mean, that kind of makes sense. I guess? It all started in Macedon, and maybe he's thinking, like, the most important thing to do is probably to secure Macedon. They're all in Persia. Yeah. So... I guess it could make sense. And he sent him back with an army. So, may, I mean, albeit of like veterans and mm-hmm. I old just, folk, I guess I'm but just maybe con- he just feels like he's going to arrive. I've already placed him in charge. So let's just let him have it. But from my understanding, it's just a very random. It just would have come out. Of, it would have come out of nowhere. And they were mm-hmm. like, it were other people. Like he didn't have a strong relationship with Alex. You know what else came out of nowhere? What's that? This illness. Oh, there it is. According to Arian and Plutarch, Alex said absolutely nothing before he died because he was in a coma. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. However, Diodorus, Curtius, Rufus, and Justin all did say that Alex did give his signet ring to Perdiccas, Mm. his second-in-command, who is going to be our next episode. I was about to say, I'm like, I know he's next. That's right. (laughs) So Perdiccas does take over. Okay. And there are two plans here. What Perdiccas wants to do is to be the regent until Roxanne's baby is born. Mm-hmm. If it's male. I was about to say, if it's a girl, nah. Right. If it's male, he'd be the new king. 
and Perdiccas and a few others would act as the regent okay. until the kid grew up. Mm-hmm. Never goes that way. Yeah. But everyone believes it will every time. Mm. It's like, I we promise we're going to all step down, right? Like, yeah, yeah, Once totally. Once he's man. like, yeah. Eh, oh, yeah, totally. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just want yeah. her to have a stress-free last trimester. Exactly. However, there's another idea. Some dingus named Maliger was the commander of the infantry, and he said on behalf of the infantry that they wanted Alex's half-brother, Arhadaios, to be king. Yeah, where has he been this whole he's time? He's just been hanging out. Well, no, like, did Alex take him with him? Yes, Alex okay. took him with him. He's always been by Alexander's side, and everyone's saying, like, well, we don't need to put our money on a maybe Yeah. with Roxanne. Like, why you want to wait a couple months? Or You know, his brother's be, right there. Or could he be the placeholder until we see what happens with the kid? Well, that is very interesting because that's kind of the compromise. Okay. Sort of. Uh, they take a step further. And I guess the implication is by the time they were going back and forth and arguing, Roxana did have her baby. And it was a boy. And his name is Alexander. Oh. The fourth. So what they decide is, all right, you know what? Why can't we just do both? Yeah. Co-kings. Yes. Alex, the fourth, and Arhadaios will be co-kings of Alexander's empire. Yeah. Now, again... Just trying to be compassionate about how we're saying it. Arhadaios does seem to have had some cognitive disability. Yeah, there is a rumor that it might have been because he was poisoned by Olympias, who didn't like him. It could have he could have been innate. Regardless, he was seen as not being fit to rule on Mm -hmm. his own. So he would always have a regent. Yeah, and at the same time, now you have a a wee baron, a baby, a baby, little Alex the fourth, and so both of them are being supervised by regents. Yeah, right. Now, we do have some speculation briefly on what Alexander's last plans were. Supposedly, they involved the construction of 1,000 ships, building harbors and roads along the African coast for the invasion of Carthage in the Western Mediterranean, which would have included Rome, who, I love the Romans, they couldn't have stopped them this time, at, at this point. Building multiple temples throughout the empire, for some reason they mentioned that. Building more cities and bringing more colonists. Constructing a tomb for Philip II, it was as big as the pyramids. The conquest of the Arab Peninsula and the circumnavigation of Africa. Oh, that sounds cool. There was a strong possibility that these plans were exaggerated. Apparently in the hopes that people would say, like, well, that's dumb. I just want to go home. Y- yes. That, I think that's the implication. What are you, hiding behind your mic? Okay, <laughs> that's cute. And that's Alexander. He's dead. He's dead. He's dumb. He's stupid. So... Nah, he's not that dumb. We're going we're to find out because yeah. now it's time. First category, Aristea. His warrior prowess. So, Meredith, how do you think he did as a general? I mean, I'd probably give him, like... An eight or a nine, because undeniably it was spectacular. But then I think a lot of the help, too, came from the generals. Like, the one stopped him from getting killed. The one had to send the message that said, like, please come back. You know, they had that great victory in that one town, but that's because he stupidly decided to just jump in on his own and so they had to go after him yeah so and i almost and i and on the one hand you can't like you can't give points for something somebody doesn't accomplish and i guess you can't take away points for something somebody was planning to do but i feel like towards the end there he was just getting a little crazy in his plans and i just feel like he was probably on a trajectory that wouldn't have been sustainable but because he died at a high point you know definitely yeah i think i, I think i mostly eight agree or nine. With, yeah i think i mostly agree with you i mean on the one hand he won every battle mm-hmm. even though he was usually outnumbered he used his phalanx tactics yeah to a t he always led his cavalry charge and that's something that could be you can imagine is very galvanizing yeah very inspiring yeah he adopted battle tactics of his defeated enemies like Mm -hmm. horse archers and stuff on the other hand like i agree with he's very impulsive he only dies a few times he's surrounded by experienced able-bodied commanders uh well and his dad too kind of came in and revolutionized the fighting style and everything exactly he had a constant need for reinforcements that as I said earlier, did drain Macedonian manpower for over a century. But he also did incorporate foreigners into his army. Now, I think you made a really good point about him getting that four-foot arrow through the chest. That's pretty dumb, and jumping in the middle of the, of the battlefield just to dare his men was kind of stupid. I'll give him a nine. Mm-hmm. You want to give him a nine? I'll give him a nine. All right. 
Akon. His appearance. We have numerous descriptions of his appearance. Some contradictions, but what we do know is that he was pretty short. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's not that tall of a guy. I'm just going to read you a short paragraph. This is from uh, Ian Worthington's biography of Alexander the Great. Alexander was not a tall man, and he was not a movie star as far as looks went. His neck inclined to the left, so his face appeared lopsided, and he had always had watery eyes, which... Uh, well, they're marching through the desert. That's a good point. And apparently he had two different colored eyes. Oh, one was cool. light blue and the other one brown. He also had a round chin, a long, thin nose, and his forehead bulged above his eyes. The lopsided angle of his head might be the result of damage through a difficult birth. Patches of red would uh, later mar his face and his chest, perhaps due to his excessive consumption of alcohol. He also had a, a fierce expression and a loud, harsh voice, both of which were intimidating. But his breath and body had a pleasant odor to them, the result, apparently, of the warmth of his blood. Now, that's got some... Interesting. Yeah, that's some Aristotelian stuff there that, like, this gendered perception that men were hot and women were cold. So the fact that he had warm blood and he was super manly made... He smelled good. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, the the correlation between the blood was warm. It's like okay, so he smelled nice. I'm like, I don't follow. Right. The way we were judging this category is not like was he pretty or was he not. No. It's more the idea of the representation he left behind, which is a lot. We yeah. have multiple mosaics and frescoes, yeah. multiple statues. People imitated this guy's hair, his looks. I'm going to go ahead and say we can give this guy just the full 10. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I'm looking at that uh, really, like, iconic mosaic of him, like, on the horse oh, yeah. in the back. Yeah. You want to get yeah. real weird? That mosaic, the other half of the mosaic has Darius. They're actually, oh. they're making eye contact in the in the painting. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, even, like, we have the hieroglyphics in Egypt that, like, they're displaying his royal um, titles. Mm-hmm. Well, and also what he inspires, because you said like Pompey the Great tried yep. to do like the Alexander haircut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Eutychia, good fortune. So how do you think Alexander did as a ruler? I mean, like there's definitely some. I mean, p- pros and cons. Um, I do like that when he conquered places, he seemed to largely let them just kind of be as they wanted to be. I think it was smart that he, if he truly was going to rule this Macedonian Persian empire, I think it's smart that he was trying to adopt some of the cultures of the Persians and assimilate them with the Macedonians to, in theory, like Mm -hmm. create this longevity and common purpose. But obviously that was creating issue with his Macedonian soldiers. He also killed a ton of people yes. in in his um, conquering. And, and you could say that sometimes, I mean, obviously this is a different time. So sometimes that is justified. And sometimes I feel like even the sources of the time were like, well, that was a bit overkill. Yeah. Um, but I mean, undeniably, I guess like, yeah, I mean, like, how could you not say he was successful when he starts out in Macedon from the moment he succeeds his father, like the Greeks are testing him. And not only does he get that all squared away, he conquers Persia. Yeah. So, you know, and especially too, since he seemingly had his steps and his goals and what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. he achieved it all. Right. So what are you thinking? Eight. Can you give him an eight? Just to temper with like all the bad stuff that yeah. had to be done sure. to get to the yeah success. Look, I see your point. Like, it, I'll, I'm sure I'll evolve on my views on that throughout the series because, I mean, essentially it's going to be everybody doing yeah. that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll have to start to take more pragmatic views. Well, no, you're, I agree with you. It's just the idea that we have to judge them in the context of the... We have to do yeah. the same... We have to do both of them. We have to judge them in the context of the world in which they lived, mm-hmm. but also we're not letting anyone off the hook for bad things that they do. Yeah, and I Like, think- it was the case that in the ancient world... They would just level cities sometimes and yeah. kill all the inhabitants. It doesn't make it okay. It happened. Yeah. I would agree with you. Um, Alexander was ambitious and he was competitive. He was reckless. He founded a bunch of cities. Yeah. A lot of them are still here. Yeah. He was charismatic. I mean, again, my point about the fact that his men had followed him all the way to India and only then did they start just to grumble. Mm-hmm. And that was what was shocking about it. Yeah. Because these men loved him. Uh, but on the other hand, he had no heir. Well, 
know. And to a degree, that's not his fault, but to a degree, it is his fault. Well, okay, yeah, I mean, like, it is his fault, depending on what version of his death you want to take as fact, that in that moment, as he was getting sick, he didn't just say... Yes. Okay, out of an abundance of precaution, let's set up a plan here because, right. like, I have one illegitimate son, which, you know, from what you've explained to me about Macedonian um, succession, wouldn't have necessarily been an issue. It's just more that, like, everyone's a child. So, yeah. What are we going to, or not born? Yeah, but you bring up a good point. Let's go back to the one account that says there were two people heard two different things. Yeah. And they either they heard him say, to the strongest. Or two Crateros. Yeah. Either one would be a stupid move. If it was two Crateros, I would. You could justifiably understand why his generals would be like, absolutely not. No. Who is that kid? We don't know that kid. Yeah, but would there, any of them? Would there have been anybody he could put forward that a general wouldn't have been like? No, me. Like, you know. there. Oh, okay. That's a good point. Everyone would have some sort of like complaint or anything. But for instance, Perticus was yeah. an, a pretty reasonable choice, at least as a regent. Mm-hmm. But there were all of his friends. There was his brother. Yeah. Um, so Krateros just would not have made sense. Yeah. On the other hand, if he liter- if he told his soldiers to fight over it, That's, then he he's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. So the whole zigzag thing, I've or, always hated. If you look at a map of Alexander's conquests, you remember that... Um, that that Sunday comic strip, The Family Circus. With no. the, one of the common cartoons would be the kid running around. His dad says, go get the remote control or something like that. And then the whole comic strip is this kid running around the entire neighborhood getting distracted. But he would get on this epic journey and come back 20 minutes later and forget what he had been sent out to do. It's kind of like that with Alex where he's just zigzagging and loop-de-looping all around the old Persian Empire instead of actually consolidating what he does. And the reason that's important is because there's a bunch of kingdoms that pop up after he dies with local indigenous leaders because there were just these empty pockets that he left unconquered. I think that's pretty dumb. I don't know. I think I would have to give him... I'm, I'm going to hit him hard here and probably give him a seven. Everyone loved him, but he was an idiot. That's fair. I'm, that's, I think that's generous on my part. Yeah, I'll go with seven. All right, number four, Mania. How crazy was this guy? Hmm. Spear your best buddy mm-hmm. after y'all have a drunken fight. I think I'm a god. I think I'm a god. I know I'm a god. Tell me I'm a god. Let's go march in the desert so <laughs> yeah, I can Yeah, I was about to say, as, as you just said, oh, yeah, 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 like in the journey we went on to get there. You can imagine um, what they were saying amongst them. It's like, oh, we need to go to Siwa. Why? Because I think I'm the son of a god, like. Do we really have to go? That's when you're like, there must be something else, guys. He wouldn't just take us out there for that. I saw talking snakes out there, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like that he killed his cousin when he first became king, but then again, it does just make sense for the time. Um, I mean, if we're to go with the idea that as he lay dying, he said, to the strongest. That's pretty dumb. um, It's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's a little crazy that you don't have any kind of care or concern for your three wives, your one unborn child. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to your brother? I thought you really loved him. I mean, or do we have any... That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Do we have any what? I don't know. He doesn't seem... He doesn't seem that crazy to me. I mean, well... No, I see what you mean. He did reckless things. But that's not crazy. But that's not crazy. It's like, was that smart? No. Does that mean you're crazy? No. I agree. Um, Five for... Just spearing Oh, your... yeah. So how are we doing this? It's like the more crazy you are, the more points you get, right? Yeah. Or just kind of our impression of it. So you would... I don't think he was that crazy. I don't think he was either. I'll go four. You can go four? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, he did some, like, reckless, crazy-ish stuff. I'm going to... I'll go five just to, just to be different. And also because I think he... Write that down. No. Write that down. The impulsivity. I think that crossed a line at some points you know when you're when you jump in with only 30 days of supplies that's one thing but when you jump into the middle of a city that you're besieging and you get hit with a four-foot arrow all because you're trying to encourage your men that's another and it does seem like towards the end of his life that he might have been showing signs that he just thought he was invulnerable or invincible or something he started getting paranoid and executing people and again lest we forget he thinks he's the son of Zeus, and he decides to walk 350 miles into the desert just to get someone to confirm that. 
That's crazy. I'm still going to stick with four because I have like some, va- I, I look and he killed his best to friend. the Ptolemies coming in the future yes. yeah. and I'm like, well, they do some. You know what? You're right. I'll give them a four too. Yeah. Because no, no, what no, we're, no, 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 you're right. Because I'm, what I'm we're going to see, and, and granted they're bonkers. Too, like he is the standard. So it's not like he'll be going into the fight of like, who's the best of the best. It's the, you know. Yeah. Well, we're going to see some crazy people here. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give him a four too. So that's going to be an eight. Kronos. Now, this one I think is pretty clear because yeah. we're doing this by a formula. Yeah. So by default, he gets, he gets full the full twenty because we're gonna be basing everybody off of. Right. All right. And the bonus round: catastrophe. Do you think he was assassinated, or do you think he just died from being stupid? I think he just died, and not even necessarily from being stupid. I think it's just kind of like we didn't have medicine. Anything could knock you out at any moment. I think he just died. I agree. I don't think he was poisoned. I think if he was assassinated, you would have seen somebody step into that power vacuum pretty quickly. Because in theory, it had been planned out. And I feel like we just don't see that. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, the idea of, like, Philip was assassinated. Did Alexander have anything to do with that? No, we can't necessarily say that. But wasn't it a nice coincidence that Alex happened to be back in town after being gone for yeah. so long? I feel like you just would have seen someone very quickly step forward and be like, I'll be the person. And then right. they would have their people that they had gotten on their side being like, yeah. And you just don't see that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, even with the guy who killed Philip, there was a horse waiting for him. Yeah, there was a there plan. Was a plan. And Whereas, if this was an if this was an assassination, it was done. It was executed in the dumbest way. Yeah, a little like all of John Wilkes Booth, where it's like I killed Lincoln. It's like, like now what? It's like I don't know. Yeah, even he had an escape plan. That's um, true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but it all blew up in his face. I agree. I just I don't think he was assassinated. I think he was an idiot, and I think he was the idiot of his times in the sense that he had he had he wasn't taking good care. A of few himself. months before, he had a four foot arrow sticking out of his neck, and he gets a fever, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll get drunk. Let's get wasted." Yeah, it's like it's like how do we know that fever wasn't brought on by a residual splinter? Exactly, yeah. which is what I some think people he, think. I think and he so just I, died. Th- I think he just died of just being a dumb frat boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think he gets the point. Yeah. He gets that one like, point. like, you weren't assassinated. You died in your sleep. All right, let's add it up. 82 for Alexander. Yay. And that would be just like a fun thing to reference back to is... Oh, yeah. We have the other people and we can actually just kind of cross compare. Yeah, because I thought about this too. I mean, like, by default, if he's the Alexander standard, shouldn't Alex get all the points in every category? But this is just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. We did it. So that's this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Of course, you know we have millions of fans, but we love every one of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next episode is going to be Perdiccas, the first successor to Alexander's kingdom. And if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating or review. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Facebook at the Alexander's Standard Podcast or on Instagram at Alexander Standard Pod, or you can also email us at alexanderstandardpod at gmail.com. All right. And this has been the Alexander Standard. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody.